Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. We are history, babes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. And today we're talking about Corey and Koros. Yes, we are. I'm not going to say them because I'm saving it for all my amazing pronunciations throughout this episode. <laughs> yeah, this one might get a little confusing because uh, Greek words. You will be surprised to know that I, is not my specialty. Also, they're, they're just all very similar sounding. So it's it's just easy to mix them up regardless. But before we jump into our Art History Babe brief on the Koros and Kore figures, quick announcement if you haven't heard yet, just want to inform you all that one, we are no longer going to be posting our podcast on SoundCloud. Done with SoundCloud. Sorry, SoundCloud. We are not uh, independent rappers and <laughs> therefore <laughs> love SoundCloud for all the like independent musicians out there, but as far as our podcast goes it just doesn't make a lot of sense for us to be posting there anymore but you can find us everywhere else you can find us on itunes on spotify on our website at arthistorybabes.com any other podcast provider we are there so you should not have any issue finding our podcasts and yeah if you're just really attached to soundcloud sorry about it go find some new independent rappers to listen to other fun announcement we are going to be going on a trip to new york city and we want to invite you all to come with us come travel with us friends friends we want to make friends we want to be your friend and this december we are going to be having like an art history babes do new york city fun extravaganza and you can be a part of it right now we're working with a really lovely travel company and putting together a package for any of you who might be interested in going to new york with us 
hitting some art museums, doing some cool underground artsy things, eating some good food, going to some great restaurants, just exploring New York City during winter break. We all know New York City is supposed to be a very magical place around Christmas. So December 18th through the 23rd of this year to 20, what year is it? 2009, 2019. (laughs) (laughs) That one. That's the year. December 18th through the 23rd, five days in New York City with us. We'll all stay in the same hotel. It'll be like a giant sleepover. It's going to be so so much fun. We'll read tarot cards. Mm. We'll play truth or dare. It'll be so much fun. Run up and down the hallways and annoy the other guests. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. (laughs) Make sure to head to likemindstravel.com. Click on the trips tab and click on art history babes and then you can enter your info enter your email address to keep updated on the trip details right now we're still working on putting together exactly what the package is going to look like exactly what our itinerary is going to look like but we will have a solidified package very very soon so if you go to like minds travel put in your email address you will be notified right away about that and you will be the first to know when the package is live and available we're very excited about it It should just be a lot of fun. We'll get to hang out with all y'all who have been, you know, with us and have been amazing supporters. And it'll be like art history camp. And it's going to be so fun. It's all we want. And we want you there. So go check it out. And if you can make it, we would love to see you. I think that's all I have for now. Are you ready to dive in to Koros and Kore? Yep, as I huge yawn. Yes, 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 I am. So we are talking ancient Greece, people. Essentially, a Koros figure is a statue of a young ancient Greek man, and a Kore is a statue of a young ancient Greek woman. Fun fact, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about me. <laughs> My name is Kore, as you all know, and it comes from the Greek word Kore, which translates to maiden. Cory also means lass in Irish, and lass also means maiden. And then even more of a fun fact, in some translations of the Greek myth of Persephone, her name was Kore when she was a spring maiden before she was taken to Hades and became Persephone. And it's my favorite Greek myth. So I like to say that my name came from the myth of Persephone, but it also came from these ancient greek statue things so that's that's a cool thing it is a cool thing as you're saying this though we always reference your name as a unisex name and it seems a little more feminine than we've given it credit dude that's a good point got some feminine roots yeah it definitely does and i don't know so i know that that's the roots of my particular spelling I don't know if because there are certain spelling oh, like why yeah there are certain spellings that tend to be used for boys like Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World <laughs> yes exactly like Corey <laughs> Matthews from Boy Meets World and I don't know if those are traced to a different lineage or not that's something I could look up but I know my spelling c-o-r-i-e can be traced to as I said lass in Irish it's a really common Irish name or maiden in Greek, which is Corey. So I don't know if we have any other. I know we actually do have other Corys that listen to this podcast because they've written in. 
Calling all Corys. <laughs> Calling all Corys. If you didn't know the roots of your name, there it is. If you know anything about the roots of other spellings, let us know. You know, it's fun. It's a good time. Anyways, back to the art that we're talking about. Koros and Kore figures are considered important because they are the first examples of the ancient Greeks exploring the human body using stone. This is where the wording gets confusing. One male is a Koros. So one male figure is a Koros. One female figure is a Kore. Many male are Koroi and many female are Korai. They are made of marble or limestone and are typically life-size or roughly life-size. The statues face forward in a controlled stance and are believed to be useful and idealized. The males are nude and portrayed with a strong athletic figure, while the females are modestly clothed because apparently humans have never been able to handle the nude female figure. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Instagram, and your issue with nipples that we need to get past. We need to get past it, Instagram. Get over it. Women have nipples. Free the nipple. (laughs) For real. Women have boobs. It's just, it's fine. It's a, it's fine, guys. We've always had them. We don't need to be upset about it anymore. It's just not necessary. (laughs) It's really, it's time. Koros and Kore figures were most likely influenced by ancient Egyptian statues that depict idealized figures of kings and queens in a similar pose, controlled stance, facing forward. Koroi and Korai figures emerged during the Archaic period in ancient Greece, which lasted from approximately 600 to 480 BCE. As Corey mentioned, these statues are thought to be inspired by ancient Egyptian statuary. The double portrait of Menkaure and Kamernetti is often cited as the predecessor to the Koroi sculptures for their similarities in posture. Their bodies and gaze are facing straight ahead, their arms are by their sides with clenched fists, and the left foot is stepping forward. Diodorus Siculus, a Greek first century historian, claimed that the Greek artist Daedalus traveled to Egypt during his life. If this tidbit is true, it explains the striking similarities between sculptures like Menkaure and Kamernetti and the Koroi figures. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so many Greek and Egyptian names. All right. The New York Koros, also known as the Marble Statue of a Koros, is one of the most widely studied Koros figures. Want to take a minute to point out the given title of the sculpture because I think it highlights a much bigger issue in the arts and museum studies that we are currently trying to move away from. And that is that this ancient Greek sculpture has been titled according to where it is now housed. The Met in New York City. New York ain't in Greece, guys. The sculpture wasn't found in New York. Its existence, context, subject matter, independent of where it stands right at this moment, has nothing to do with New York. And yet we call it the New York Koros. So pointing that out, because once you start looking, you will find this kind of curious practice of naming artifacts and artworks this way. 
I mean, really, like it, it's it's attached to the colonial ethos, you know, this mm-hmm. idea of you took something, it's mine now, like, and we want to move past that. We want to not just move past it, work through it and, and progress to something better. So, yeah, New York Koros, eh, it's not really yours, New York. It just happens to be there. Yeah. Like, you could, you know, argue me on that, but... No, I think I don't want anyone to. I'm going to. No, <laughs> no, you can't. New York has a lot. New York's got enough stuff. They're good. They're known for a lot of things. They don't need this. It's fine. That's so true. So it's just, you know, something to be on the lookout for, especially when we're talking about artifacts from like ancient civilizations. Like I, I it's important, I think, for them to be named according to where they're from or who made them when possible or, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, back to the statue. It is made of Naxian marble and has been dated 590 to 580 BCE during the archaic period of ancient Greece. The figure served as a funerary marker, like a tombstone, replacing vases in earlier periods. This early Koros shows remnants of the geometric period, which was the period of ancient Greek art prior to the archaic, in the details like the overly angular hips and triangular abdomen. Their triangular head and hair, as well as the flatness to the face, are features of the Daedalic style. His muscular body is likely idealized, and while this would have marked a grave, it probably wasn't made in the exact likeness of the person who died. It was more generic, more like a tombstone, and this is also something you just see when looking at Koros figures. A lot of them, they look Mm -hmm. alike. A lot of them are very similar, and that poses interesting questions about what they were used for. You know, we don't 100% know what they were used for, and when you have, yeah, like a generic likeness like that, yeah, it, it makes sense that it was just a marker for individuals or it was a marker for a certain type of person yeah yeah and it would probably be like a marker for like a young man Mm -hmm. I'm guessing probably like a warrior or such but also like if these were grave markers imagine walking through that graveyard yeah it's creepy (laughs) whoa (laughs) I'm into it on that note should we take a little break (laughs) yeah I want you all to visualize that think real hard about that and we'll be right back (laughs) (laughs) Oh, horrifying. Okay, we have returned. We got a bit more about the Koros and Kore for you. That we do. The Anavisos Koros was created around 530 BCE, and it stands at 6 feet 4 inches tall, made of marble, and it still resides in Athens, so no colonial name. Woohoo! Woo! The Egyptian influence is undeniable, but Greeks made some modifications when carving their Koros. First of all, unlike Egyptian sculptures, he is very naked. So they had no problem displaying their males nude. Uh, Females were another story. But Egyptians clothed all their sculptures. So this was kind of a different avenue. I I mean, when you think about ancient Greek culture, like naked men, it, it it just makes sense. Ancient Greek culture was very, very into the idealized male form and figure, I guess you could say. Read some Greek philosophy, guys. Yeah, there we 
Eric, just go do that. Just yeah. go do that. Just start there, come back, <laughs> and then we'll talk. It'll it'll uh, fast track things. Greek sculptors also liberated their quarry figures from the marble block, whereas the Egyptian predecessors would have technically been sculpting in high relief due to the backs of the sculptures being left as part of the block. So if that makes sense to you, they didn't really finish their sculptures in the round to where you could walk all the way around it and see an entire figure. It would be kind of cemented into the block it was an aesthetic choice because Egyptian culture was just a lot more preoccupied with the idea of stability and permanence, whereas Greeks were a lot more interested in things like motion and progression. His hair falls behind his shoulders, much like the New York chorus, but appears to be more natural in the way it falls. It kind of has waves versus this more rigid, angular form. And he dons an archaic smile, the term coined for the slight upward turn of the mouth of the Koroi and Korai of this period. The smile makes the marble figures feel a little more lifelike. In a kind of creepy way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It depends on which ones. Some of them, it's a little more natural. Other ones, it's a little forced. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So the Peplos Koroi was created around 530 BC and was found in the Acropolis in Athens, Greece. So Koroi female figure. In comparison to earlier Korai figures, the Peplos Korai was rendered more naturally with a softer female form in mind. Her hair is braided and while stylized, there's an attempt to make them look more natural by curving around her face and chest. This Korai is believed to represent an unknown deity, but often it's impossible to tell whether sculpture depicts a mortal or a goddess. And that's true in this case as well. There's a little bit of heated debate about it. So the name comes from her dress, which was originally thought to be a peplos, a long woolen or linen garment belted at the waist, drapes over the shoulders. But after closer inspection, some art historians believe she wears a garment that would have been worn only by goddesses. Additionally, the peplos core is missing her right hand, which is thought to have held an attribute that would have signified which goddess she was to the viewers. So maybe like a bow or arrow or an apple. I don't know. But art historians of the Peplos camp say that she stands in a customary pose for Korai figures and that her outstretched hand would have been holding an offering. So seriously, who knows? I don't. Who's to say? But also, fun fact, these sculptures would have been painted. So we like to think of them as these kind of stark white sculptures of the Greek period that we have cemented into our mind, but they were richly painted in like bright, bright colors. So Yeah, very bright colors. Yeah, we should post one because they're a little jarring when you first see them. They almost feel, I don't know, like a kindergarten art project just because we're so conditioned. Like you're at a Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) They do. They're like very bright, like primary colors. It's interesting. Uh The thing with these figures like a lot of ancient art, there's so much we don't know and can't know about them. So there's just a lot of mystery. In grad school, me, Jen, and Ginny took a seminar on ancient Greek art together. And we we had a whole class, a whole three-hour seminar just discussing what we thought these little guys meant. I'm so glad so because I want to I want to be a fly on the wall in the way that you summarize that for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, so this is the thing. I actually tried to find my notebook with my notes from my ancient Greek seminar, but I just moved. So, like, my life is crazy right now. Mm. 
and so I couldn't find it. But I mean, it was it was an interesting conversation because, yeah, it was. I hope so for three hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was by the end. I was like, I am I am done with these guys. Like, I don't really need. <laughs> you took like a four year gap before you could talk about them again. Yeah, I'm like, I don't really need to think about these ever again. But like the the purpose of them among art historians and like archaeologists is widely debated. Like we talked about how they could be funerary markers. They could have been meant to express certain classes of people. They could have been like honorary statues to like soldiers. They could have been just the idealized Mm -hmm. human that as a member of ancient Greek society, you were supposed to look up to this figure, you know, this kind of like, oh, that's who I'm supposed to be type of a thing. It could have just been markers of like, this is what a man's supposed to be and this is what a female's supposed to be Mm. because the idealized aspect of it is definitely heavy throughout. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, we talked about it, all of us for three hours, including our professor who's been studying ancient Greek art for many, 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 many years. (laughs) So many years. So many years. And at the end of it, it's not like we had an answer. So (laughs) what's fun about mysteries like this is, you know, like it leaves a lot of room like for new theories. Mm -hmm. I love that if we had her hand it could all be solved, but we don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know, right? What was that There's hand? something really cool about it, <laughs> truly. Like, and I and, and people get upset about it. They are very passionate about the clothing and the peplos, or the not peplos, and the attribute or the offering. Like art historians, man, fiery for real. And because like those things are, yeah, they're details that they think can answer or can solve the mystery, you know, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I also think it's possible that like so many things in art history, I think we've given this quote unquote mystery probably more weight than necessary. I think all of the possibilities of what these figures mean are equally valid, but like humans make art. It's a thing we do like societies make art and while they're is meaning in that to some extent it's just an activity you know like to some extent it's very possible that people were just making sculptures of people because yeah they wanted to explore the human form and devil's advocate there are living artists creating things that are really interesting that we can talk about for those hours that you could talk about whether or not you know what I mean like there are things that we could focus on now more recent history that actually still affects people's day-to-day lives and you know things to focus on that I just don't see how even if we solve this like what's to gain the only thing I mean like when you were talking about the mystery of what's in her hand now what would be like a total like mind twister what if she's holding I don't know like some like what if she's holding like a friggin iPhone or like something? all right now I'm interested what if it was some like technological device that we didn't think that they had or or one of those same stones mysterious cosmic matter that's in the seated scribe's eyes throwback to a previous baby episode what if another universe what if she's holding the universe in her hands now all right mind blown intrigued (laughs) i'm back i'm back i'm back in i'm back in so yeah i think you know like i love a good 
ancient mystery as much as the next person. But I, I do think exploring stuff like this at this point in history, it's more about like the stories we can create with it. You know, it's more about like you can mm-hmm. take this in like I just did and you just did. We just created a new story. <laughs> and that, I think, is why it's valuable moving forward. I don't know that I necessarily believe that like if we know that if the Peplos Corey is holding an apple as opposed to a bow, I don't think that's going to be absolutely earth shattering. Exactly. I, yeah, that, that was the, more of the point I was trying to make and not. Yeah, I don't want anyone to interpret that as uh, me trying to say this is unimportant to talk about. That's not what I mean. But, you know, I don't know that people should be arguing this out to death until we find the hand and what was in it and then let's talk about it again <laughs> yeah and then we can be like oh that's what was in the hand what that's cool yeah it's something i feel like we've talked about on the podcast before it's also where i'm coming from where i know like you're coming from in the as much as we we love art and art history kind of for the sake of art and art history but i don't think either of us put a lot of weight in who's right and wrong with this kind of stuff Mm -mm. i'm not in art history for the sake of yeah trying to prove these very specific things i more so think it's just beautiful to explore the immense tapestry of things humans have created over time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's why I think it's valuable and that at least for me is the message I want to share with our listenership not so much argue about exactly what a Koros or a Kore is and like developments and things like this can be fascinating like the painted aspect like that is very cool and when I found that out was a little mind blown and fascinated so I think that advances and information about ancient art is good is super interesting yeah you know arguing to death something that is purely up to conjecture at this point (laughs) not quite so necessary (laughs) yeah i'm yeah totally with you there yeah i'm definitely not against research of of ancient things i'm very for that actually but yeah exactly the thing that happens is academics uh get really um attached to their arguments and Mm -hmm. sometimes it goes too far it just goes too far (laughs) you know art historians are humans too yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's. Uh, we know you guys want to put us on a pedestal, but don't. That should be a sticker. We should make that a sticker. <laughs> Art, Art historians, historians are humans too. <laughs> uh, summertime merch. Here we go. Woo! Speaking of, we have new stickers in our store. So go to the store, arthistorybabes.com. Check out our merchandise. Uh, buy some if you so wish. I think that's all I have to say. Yeah, I think we're good on. Kore and Cora and Koroi and Cory and so many e- <laughs> cores. And I don't need to think about them for another four years. <laughs> I like this timeline. Yeah. But thank you so much for listening to our baby episode. Make sure you check out all of our other content, all of our social media, our website. Uh, be thinking about that New York City trip. We'd like to see as many of you out there as possible. And we will talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. We are history, babe.
<laughs> I just opened my phone and there's a meme and it says, I was trying to manifest money, then got scheduled for a nine hour shift. Universe, you know damn well that ain't what I meant. <laughs> <laughs>